Welcome to the Laura Mayer Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Wow, we've got some big stuff to dive into, but I'm ready, I'm excited, and I think this is going to be a message that is going to apply to a lot of people's lives. And hey, if it doesn't apply to yours, great. I have a feeling, though, there's someone in your life that would really benefit from listening to uh, the message that I have for today and probably the next couple of weeks. I think we're about to start a new series, so let's buckle in and let, let's go. But before I do that, um, just again, thank you all who have um, shared the podcast, who've already hit subscribe, who've um, commented, different things like that. All of that helps me get the word out about this podcast. And, you know, I really struggled with that before I even started. I didn't want um, to ever be seen as, as trying to do something um, just all about me. Um, and then I realized that that by being afraid of making something all about me, I was making it all about me, but instead making it all about the message that he has put in my heart to share that message of freedom, that message of understanding who you belong to and how that is so matters so much more than, than who you are in this world. Um, who's you are mattering more than who you are. So if this podcast has been a blessing to you. It is the highest compliment ever for you to share it with somebody. You don't even have to tell me about it. Just share it with a friend. Share it with somebody that you think this is going to bless. And you can go um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Click that subscribe button so it automatically shows up in your podcast feed. Um, And then even, gosh, it'd be even awesome if you would leave a review or a, a rating. That helps just really with the analytics as far as like Apple Podcasts go and some of the other podcast listening apps. It just helps get this message in front of more people the way all that analytics stuff works. So really, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for the next person. So if you will subscribe and hit, uh, hit you know, click a rating and leave a, a review, it helps put this message in front of other people who need the message of freedom. So what I'm going to dive into, and y'all, I'm just going to lean back and let Holy Ghost run with this one. It's what I try to do with every podcast, but especially when he puts something in my heart that's that's big. Um, we're going to be discussing church hurt. Wounds caused by other Christians. Wounds caused by pastors. We're going to be discussing that, and I know it's a heavy topic and one that honestly I don't really know that I've heard that many messages on necessarily. I don't know that I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Um, I'm sure I'm sure somebody's out there talking about it, and that's great. I want them to. Hope they are. But I think it's one of those things a lot of people just get really stuck in this topic. And it's been in my heart for a few weeks, and it just hasn't been the right time. I haven't gotten the release in my spirit to start talking about it until this week. And then this is the only message he's giving me. He just I keep, you know, like saying, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to teach on? It's this. It, it's, it keeps being this. So when I sat down to study, I thought it was going to be a one-part episode, and I have enough notes. I think it's going to be a three-part series on overcoming church hurt. And let's talk about the why first. This part's not even in my notes. I see an alarming amount of believers who have a call on their lives, who love the Lord, who at one time, we're on fire for Jesus. You could say it that way. I know that's kind of a cliche term, but love the Lord. And then something happened. Something happened in church. 
either to them, to someone they love, and it caused them to pull away. Today, I want to talk about why we do the pull away when something bad happens to us or somebody else in church, when we've been hurt and wounded. What is it and why is it? You know, Satan loves isolating people. And if he can isolate you and he can get you off on your own, he can get you just to walk away from the Lord, which sadly enough, we often ball up our relationship with the Lord with our relationship with the church. And that should not be the same thing. But in so many people's lives, it is. And so when something bad happens, we tend just to walk away from all of it. And then Satan has us out isolated. And at first we feel freer. Or we may just feel like we're having to do it so we can at least survive and breathe from whatever it is that happened. But then if we stay in that isolated place, we have no protection. We don't have the protection from other members of the body of Christ because we've chosen to isolate ourselves behind this wall. You know, God puts his kids in families and families are not perfect. Church families are not perfect. Your pastor is not perfect. You're not perfect. So he puts us in imperfect families, imperfect churches. And because of that, it's so easy to wound others and to be wounded ourselves. And so I want to give you some tools today to let go of some church hurt and church pain so that you're not out of the race. And what I mean by that. Not out of the race as something like concerning your salvation or anything like that. Nothing like that. But you have a call on your life. There's things that the Lord has you to do, would have you to do. There's things still written in the book of your life. And hurt and pain from church often causes us to pull, pull over. It's like, you know, we're in a race car and causes us just to pull over on the side of the road and just sit. We don't want to race anymore. Or, or like a, a giant football game and we should be out on the field playing. It's the final quarter. And instead, we've let offense and hurt cause us just to sit on the bench. But we've trained for this moment. You guys, this is one of the most exciting times in the, in the world to be alive. A time of the reawakening of the church of God. God himself, his kids, reawakening not to religion but to relationship. And Satan is trying over time to bring offense into the body of Christ to cause people to sit on the bench when they need to be out on the field playing the game. So today, just to tell you, I know a little bit about this topic. I've been through several different scenarios at different churches where bad things happened. And I'm not going to go into that this episode. And we'll just see how much the Lord has me go into detail. But, you know, it's it's been an array of things. Things that didn't really involve me, but involved someone else that I cared about. And, and it caused, a, a, you know, a division of some sort. And people left. And there was hurt feelings and hurt words spoken. Um, to, you know, more medium size things that went on in, in a church where, again, dealing with imperfect people, all being imperfect, where, you know, people would leave a certain church or, you know, not speak to somebody anymore or whatever, you know, you can fill in the blank here. Y'all all lived through it. Um, you know how humans can be all the way to some pretty big things, some pretty big things where it caused me to completely just walk away um, from even being able to trust God. Because the things that happened to me within the church 
uh, were so wrapped up in my view and my identity of who God was and his character. And so whether it be small things or big things, whatever it is in your story, I want to say that you've come to a safe place. This may be something that's still very real and raw in your heart, maybe something you've tucked down really far deep inside your soul and something you probably still carry a lot of shame about, even if in your head you know the facts and you know that maybe you know you didn't do anything wrong or whatever it is. But, but it doesn't keep those feelings of shame from, from creeping up and making you just want to pull away. And so I want to say this is a safe place. I'm not casting judgment here. Um, I want you to know I'm glad you're here. And I'm just believing that the Lord give me words to speak directly into your heart. I don't know who you are, but directly into your heart, whether you're listening to this as soon as I hit publish or you listen to this years from now, that the word of God is alive and true and has truth to speak to your heart. So when church hurt comes, two things happen. And we talked about this last week when I did a message on storms, the three different reasons why storms come in your life. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. It would be really great to compliment and go with what we're going to be doing the next few weeks. But it causes you to doubt two things when you've gone through a huge hurt or storm in your church. Number one, it causes you to doubt the character of God. It causes you to start questioning who he is, who he is to you causes you to start questioning everything you've ever been taught about the Lord. It may even cause you to start coming up with some of your own ideas, some of your own ideas about who he is. You know, it's interesting how we as humans, when we walk through something, we take the limited amount of knowledge we have concerning the situation, even if we're living through it. But, you know, there's still a lot of questions going on about all the whys and what's and where's and all the stuff. And we start making we start kind of grasping for answers. So sometimes we just kind of make up our own answers, even if they're not doctrinally sound, even if they're not consistent with the character of God. It's almost like if you're trying to, you know, make a recipe in your kitchen and you're missing half the ingredients, but by golly, you're going to cook dinner anyway. So let's just say you only have three out of the six ingredients that are necessary and you, and you try to make a dish with just those three ingredients. Well, it's not going to come out right because you're not dealing with all the necessary ingredients. You know, sometimes when you go through something in your life, there's things about it that you just don't know. There's still things that you have not come into an understanding on yet. You're not dealing with all the pieces. You're not dealing with all. You can't see everything God sees. And so it's very dangerous to start making um, doctrinal shifts and changes in, in your heart and in your mind about the way God operates and the way, you know, this should have happened or could have happened. Instead of just staying on the side of God, I trust you and I'm going to stay with you. So, so we start judging the character of God. And then the second thing we start doubting is our own character. Sometimes the things that happen to us cause us to doubt our own worth and our value as a person and then really even our position with God. We wonder if we're still in right standing with him because somebody at our church is upset at us and maybe that person is in leadership of some sort. We start wondering how we're so flawed and what's so wrong with us. And that either causes us to spiral into this cycle of condemnation or it may cause us to, the, to do the very opposite and just push completely away and say, well, I'm already 
a worthless loser anyway, so I might as well just be a big, you know, even bigger worthless loser and just go, you know, straight down the path of my flesh and do everything that I will want to do and just go buck wild and live in sin or whatever it else it is. And it's a cycle of destruction on that side as well. So on this episode, we're going to tackle that first one. We're going to tackle how it causes us to doubt our character, the character of God. Why does it do this? I think it's because oftentimes, whether we realize it or not, we tend to lump church and God together. And so we tend to, let's say, you know, let's just use the example of a pastor. You know, a pastor is often referred to as like a shepherd. Now, we know that Jesus is is the great shepherd, but he's called under shepherds uh, to help care for us, his sheep here on this earth. And so he's called and given us pastors and ministers um, in our lives and church leadership, deacons and elders, and, you know, just people that operate in the church to do the work of the ministry, which really, you know, that is the greatest position of servanthood of all. It's not, uh, le- church leadership is not to cram down anybody else's throat Um, your own superiority. It's actually one of the greatest positions of servanthood. When we talk about washing each other's feet, um, you know, in the Bible, how symbolic that was and what a, how, you know, symbolic of servanthood that was. A minister truly, a minister with the heart of the shepherd, with the right heart, truly sees his or her position as that of serving the people and loving the people and caring for the sheep. Um, because that's the attributes of God. That's what that's what God does. And so when you've got that skewed, if there's an example, if there's church leadership in your life or um, church board, church, church assembly, pastor, teacher, whatever, um, who is self-seeking and maybe power hungry or maybe um, just uninformed in an area. Maybe, you know, sometimes people hurt you and it's not ill intended. You know, I'm sure you've probably done the same. I know I have hurt people's feelings when hurting them was never my intention. It was either my lack of education in an area or just lack of understanding or just not being aware of my surroundings and saying something or doing something that was hurtful. And, you know, I'm so grateful for the gift of forgiveness where we can go one to another and say, hey, you know, if it's something that's that really needs to be discussed, to go to them. Go to them in person. Don't go to everybody else first. Go to them and say, hey, this is what's happened, and I just I need to talk this out with you. And sometimes it's enough that um, just it needs just to be handled between you and God. You know, you might not even have to bring the other person into it. But if it's, you know, if it's big enough, you need to bring them into it, then, hey, then do that. And what what a blessing it is to keep a relationship restored instead of letting the devil win. But, um so sometimes we, we, you know, view church leadership as, as almost the same as God. And so, but I want, I want to ask you something, you know, um, if we view God through the lens of our pastor or leadership within the church or people in the church, were those people kind? Were they not self-seeking? Were they keeping records of wrong? Were they boastful? Were they vainglorious? You know, those are the attributes of love himself. Love is patient, kind, good, all the things. And so if those people were not that, then they were not being a good representative of your heavenly father. Um, did they reject you? Did they embarrass you? Did they condemn you? 
did they humiliate you? Again, that's not a good reflection of how God feels about you. God never rejects. He never comes to condemn and humiliate and embarrass. He doesn't objectify you and flaunt your sins for everyone else to know about. He doesn't get everyone else to vote on what should be done about you. Instead, he brings you close and brings restoration to your heart. Did that church board or assembly or a little group of people who take it upon themselves to cast judgment, (laughs) and I say that laughing, Um, did they love mercy? Were they seeking justice? Because that's what your Heavenly Father does. And that's what He commands us to do is to love mercy and to seek justice. Or were they more focused on holding up the traditions of men, religion, or maybe staying in their cozy little bubble and maybe they didn't act out when they should have. Maybe they just turned a blind eye because they weren't really sure if it involved them, which really is just another way of saying they didn't have much of a backbone Or maybe they didn't know what to do. Sometimes that is truly the case. They just don't know what to do. And I know I've been guilty of that. Staying silent because I'm not sure what to do. And looking back, silence was not the correct reaction. So I think it's important to give people grace. Um, And something that one of my pastors says is that uh, believe the best until you're proven otherwise. That even if something, you know, looks wrong and... um, in the sense of, you know, you think maybe somebody meant something hurt in a hurtful way. Believe the best until you're proven otherwise. Because you may not have the whole story. Even if you, you we always think we have the whole story. Every time. We think we, we have all the details until more details come out. And we're like, oh, I didn't realize that. And so, you know, something small, we may get our feelings hurt because somebody doesn't speak to us. And then later that week, we find out that they just got a massive diagnosis or something, you know, crazy was happening with their family and their mind was a hundred different places and they did not mean to be rude to you. It was all they could do just to process everything that was going on in their head. They may not have really even paid attention to seeing you, you know, so it's not always about us. So believe the best until you're proven otherwise. Give them grace, the same grace that you would want them to share to you. And you know something about this? I I practice this in my life, and it sure does keep my heart insulated in a safe bubble where I'm not walking around offended all the time. If I'm choosing to believe the best and believe that people meant something in a right way instead of a wrong way, then gosh, I have so much less emotional baggage to carry around instead of just assuming they probably meant everything in a hurtful way. Another example is, um, you know, in, in the situation that maybe you're thinking of, that things that are in your background, were those people used and then just discarded? Were they lied to or were they talked about? You know, it's unfortunate, but sometimes people can feel used. Used for their gifts and their talents and their abilities. Instead of being seen as people too and needing ministry themselves. And even if they are really great in a specific area, to feel valued and worth something for just who they are and not just the work that can be gotten out of them. But again, that is not the heart of God. So that's the point I'm wanting to make with all these examples. Sometimes we bundle up God and church. 
when that is not the same thing. You know, if you've ever had um, a necklace, of course, I was about to say for girls, but guys wear necklaces too. But if you've ever had a necklace that has a very tiny, tiny, thin chain, you know, those are the ones that get so tangled up so easily. But if you've ever had two of those necklaces that were thrown into your, you know, the jewelry box or wherever it is that you have your jewelry stored, and those two thin chains get all tangled up together, it's so hard to get those untangled. And it makes both of them unusable because they're so tangled up with each other. I believe that's what we often do as Christians. We tangle up our relationship with God as being the same as our relationship with our church. Those two things are not supposed to be the same. It's out of our abundance of our heart. It's out of our relationship with God that we reach out and find community in our church. We find a body of believers who are all pursuing God on their own as well, and then they just come together on a weekly basis to worship Him together corporately, to um, to share with each other, to teach one another, to support each other, to be a church family. But that doesn't take the place of their own relationship with God. Now, what I've just given you is an example of a healthy church. A church where Sunday is just the cherry on top of the re- ongoing relationship that they've had with God that week long, that whole week on their own, their own Bible time. Not out of duty, not out of works. We're not saved by works. We're not even in right standing by works. We're in right standing in the eyes of our Father God because of what Jesus did. We're already sons and daughters of Him. So we don't do these things out of duty. We do them out of our love for him. We want to spend time with him. And if you hear that, you're like, you know, Laura, I don't really want to. That's okay. I've been at that place too, to where you just have to admit and go, you know what? That's really not where my heart is. And I would, I would encourage you just to be honest with the Lord about that, but recognize that as something that you want to work on and work on it by saying, Lord, help me return to my first love. What have I let get in the way to where the passion has gone out of my relationship with you? What have I let get in the way? Have I let church servanthood get in the way? Am I thinking more like a son or am I thinking more like a servant? Because if you're thinking servanthood all the time, it does take away from that passion that you have for the Lord. But if you can focus on your sonship or your daughterhood with God and ask him to return you to your first love and really make it a point to spend time with him daily, re-getting to know each other, it is amazing how that fire will relight on the inside of you. So I want to compare church and uh, God very much like um, a marriage where out of that marriage has come the birth of children. Now, we know, if for any of you out there that have kids, how taking care of kids can be such an all-consuming thing, but it's very dangerous if you let time talking about the kids and working with the kids and taking care of the kids be the only time that you and your spouse have together. That, you know, the children are a product of the relationship you have with your spouse, and your, your children are better off if you keep your relationship with your spouse your top priority. Having date nights, having just time with the two of you where you agree to not talk about the kids or maybe talk about the kids first for the first few minutes. And then after that, you talk about each other and, and dream together and just be a couple. 
you know, we sometimes mess up that in our own minds with church as well, where our relationship with God should be the thing that, you know, from that relationship is when we, you know, found a church home and found a church family. But sometimes we can get so focused on the ins and outs of running the church and, and doing church and being a part of the church and signing up for stuff at church that we lose sight of our first love, our relationship with God. So then this is what happens. If something then goes sour at church, we pull away from God. If something goes sour, if we're rejected in some way, we realize real quickly who our God really was. Did we make church our God or is God our God? When I came out of one of the hardest church situations I've ever lived through in my life, years later, I was still healing from it. More stuff was coming up in my heart that the Lord was wanting to deal with. More things that I'd shoved down thinking I was dealing with them, but I hadn't. And I was just really at such a place of brokenness, processing through everything. And I cried out to God and I said, Lord, why? Why has this affected me so much this many years later? And the Lord had been so loving and kind with me all the way through this healing process. But he was very firm with me this time. And he said, Lord, this is what happens when you put a man above me. This is what happens when you let someone who is supposed to represent me in your life in a sense or be maybe be a picture of that shepherding picture that, that God is. When you let him speak for me, when you make pleasing him a priority over pleasing me, when you let serving the church take precedence over serving me and just spending time with me. That's why God had kids to have people to spend the time with. He wanted to fellowship with us. And he let me know that's how my foundation had been so rocked. It wasn't only because of the things that happened, because if I had kept my relationship with God intact through the storm and had not slowly let church and everyone within my church become my religion, if I had not let that happen, then when everything went soured, I would not have found my place spinning out of control, not knowing which way was up. Because since then, I've weathered different types of storms, um, whether church-related or not. But because my relationship with God was stable, safe, sound, and secure, it didn't rock my world the way that other storms had rocked my world. So your covenant with God comes first the same way as your covenant with your spouse comes first in your life so your covenant with God comes first your personal time with him your own time in your bible in your worship your intimate time with God and from that comes your heart for your church where you can grow and continue to pour out your heart um, to you know to other people so it's good to be in a church family because you get an opportunity to pour out what God has already poured into you. But your relationship with God is not based on your relationship with your church. Your service to church comes out of your love for Him. It comes out of your desire to serve Him and love Him through the avenues of your church. But then also through the avenues of serving in your town, ministering to people on the street. Everything you do comes out of an overflow of your heart out of an overflow of the relationship you already have with God because you're so aware of your sonship 
or your daughterhood with God on a daily basis, that that is the place that your service flows from. And let me drop a truth bomb on you. If you never serve another day in nursery, on worship team, on the cleaning crew, on whatever else it is that you've got going on in your church, or even if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, if you never do another thing, you're still God's beloved. You're his favorite child. He still thinks you're amazing. Now, some of that may have rocked rock some worlds just hearing that. That if you never do another thing for God, what he feels about you does not change. But you got to get that in your head. If that felt kind of weird and wonky to you, I would present to you today that maybe you have more of a servanthood mindset about your relationship with God rather than a sonship attitude. It makes me think of the story of the prodigal son where when the son returned home, he still saw himself very much as a prodigal. And we know that because he said to the father, you know, if I could just be a servant in your household, I'd be fine with that. He saw himself, even though he was a son, he saw himself through the lenses of what he had done himself. So he only felt comfortable presenting himself in God's presence as a servant. But God's answer back to him, or the father, really, who represents God's answer, He didn't answer it. (laughs) He didn't even answer that question of, can I just be a servant? Instead, he immediately ran to him and kissed him and welcomed him back, put a robe of righteousness on him that signified who he was in that house, and he put a ring of authority back on his finger, and he threw a party. He restored him back to sonship. You know, when you're loved and when you know that you're in right standing with God just for the fact of how he views you, Out of that love, everything else flows. You don't have to work to earn his love. You already have his love. And his love hasn't changed toward you based on anything that you've been through, even at the hands of other people in your church. Before you did anything right or anything wrong, God's love was there for you. Jeremiah 31, 3 says that he has loved you with an everlasting love. I love that word everlasting, everlasting, never giving up kind of love. So regardless of what's happened, even within a church setting, those people are just humans too. They're fallible. They're imperfect humans who sadly don't always represent the father well. So that's what I want to leave you with today. Church is not God. And if you've let your experience at church cause you to doubt his character, I would challenge, beg, encourage you to reevaluate that. Don't you see how that's exactly what the enemy would love for you to do? He would love for you to ball up the character of God like that tangled necklace. Ball it up with the character of fallible humans. He would love for you just to walk away from all of it. Don't let him win. Don't let him punk you out. Don't let him talk you out of the very thing that you're called to do and the body that you're called to be a part of. And you know what? Maybe he has a different church body for you to worship with. And that's something you can ask the Lord about. I know when we were looking for a home church, our prayer started with, because of the advice from some friends, or from a friend specifically, uh, she said, Laura, instead of, you know, praying for the Lord to show you the right church that you're supposed to be a part of, instead, 
ask him to show you who your pastor is because he's promised you a pastor. He's promised you a shepherd. Ask him to show you who that person is, and then the church will be the right one for you. So that's, that was great advice for us, and that's how our prayer started shifting and changing was, Lord, show us who our shepherd is. Show us who our pastor is, a shepherd that has the heart of you, the great shepherd. And God answered our prayer, and I know he'll do the same for you. Thank you for joining me today on the Laura Mayer Podcast. Join me here next week where we will continue learning that being His means being free.